return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. For a minute, we got our Bibles here. Say it with me, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. I'd remember how all that went. And said it for a while. All right. You know, there's so many things we can learn from the Word of God. I've taught before how God has used women, women around the world and so forth. When we travel, I always have Jeannie on the platform with me. <clears throat> I want people to see her. I want people to know that God can use women. She's anointed of the Lord. Even if we're talking to pastors, and we've been in meetings, all men, I have her get up and say something. I have her get up and share something. And uh, publicly, I acknowledge her ministry and that we work together as a team. Because in so many cultures, women are put down. Women are almost like a second-class citizen. And where women are not allowed to be used of God. And it's very, very sad that that happens. But uh, the truth is, if people just read their Bible, they're going to see that there was women around Jesus all the time. I really love the fact that when Jesus rose from the grave, the people he appeared to first were the women. The people that brought the news to the fearful disciples hiding away were women. And so there were women in the upper room on the day of Pentecost as well. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And Philip had daughters and they prophesied and they preached and they proclaimed the good news. Amen. That's good. So it says that God can use anybody. He wants to use everybody. He uses old people, of course, but he uses young people. He uses teenagers. He uses people that are very young. So uh, turn to your neighbor without saying it too loud. Don't blow on him, but say, God's going to use you. Amen? God's going to use you. All right. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Here's the case of Mary, of course, and the angel Gabriel coming to Mary. And, and uh, what I like here is we see character in Mary's life. Now, she's a teenage girl, and she's a virgin who's engaged. So I love the fact that she has standards, and she's sexually pure, and she's living a moral life. Now, people can say, well, that was the Bible days. Well, folks, they were under the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was just horribly ungodly and horribly immoral and so forth. So they had a lot of worldly influences on them then. So that, that uh, was causing people to drift away, just like it could be any, in any time or any society, to drift away from the Lord. So here's a teenage girl that has standards. Now, let's, let's just put out a shout-out to her parents. Because a lot of people never stop to think, well, she had parents. And obviously her parents raised her in the ways of the Lord. Obviously her parents 
planted in her, not just, not just morality, you know, you can, you can have rules, but they planted in her a faith in God. They planted in her a trust in the Lord, all right? So, so here's a girl that, that loves God. She's living a moral life. She's sexually pure, and she's engaged to be married. And then it says, uh, so she's a virgin, and she's engaged to uh, a man named Joseph, the house of David. Her name is Mary. And when, when uh, the angel came in, she said, Rejoice, you're the highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you amongst women. Now, I just think of there, just simply that she's faithful. Amen? This isn't, this isn't like an accident. God's just saying, oh, let's see. Who shall, I'll just pick that one. No, no. This is, a, this is a girl, a teenage girl who's faithful to the Lord. I think we have to have standards, amen? I think we have to believe, have standards yourself, but I think we also expect that from either, if a person's young or old, that we can have standards. We don't have to live like the world, amen? Don't have to be shacked up with the world, living in the smut of the world. We can live for God in righteousness and holiness. So God is coming to this girl and says, you're highly favored because of her standards, her faithfulness, her character. We see this in the next verse. Rejoice, you're highly favored. When she saw, first she said she was troubled and considered what the greeting was. And then the angel said, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. So you have godly character in you. Now let's go to the next verse, verse 37, 38. And so when you look at these verses, uh, the angel says, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, of course, we have the benefit of reading this in our, in, in, uh, Matthew and Luke and so forth. We have the benefit of reading these things on words on a page. But this is brand new message to her. To say nothing shall be impossible. And her response is, let it be unto me according to your word. And so her response is trusting in God's word. She had great faith. She had great faith that what God said he would do. So we have to shake ourselves because today we've, we've read the Bible, we read the Bible, we read things over and over, and sometimes we have a little faith that what God said he'll do. No, he wants us to have great faith that what he said he's going to do it. And, and we want to act like it, amen? Faith is, faith is, you know, seeing the answer. So if you believe something, you're going to act like it's true. You're going to act like it's true. You know, that's where I write on my, my desk all the time. Praise is faith at work. Well, we're praising God for the answer, right? We're living in the answer, not in the problem. Well, we're, folks, you're never going to get away from problems. So as long as if people say, I want to get away from problems. Well, the only way you do that is you die. That's the only way, that's the only way you get rid of that. Then, then you go to heaven. All right now, so at the end of our days, we live out our days. Praise God, we, we pass from this life to the next life. And then, and then we're there, hallelujah. But in the meantime, we can stand in victory no matter what we face. So I love it. Here's a teenage girl with the character of God in her. And God anoints her, of course, with the Holy Spirit. But she believes the word of the Lord. Got to believe it. Amen? All right. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 now. So Mary... She is pregnant for nine months according to the time of life, the angel said. That's how it was for Abraham and Sarah, too. According to the time of life, I'll come back. And so now her and Joseph, because of taxation, because of government rules and so forth, and they had to go to be, take a census and to be taxed and so forth. 
And now they're in the stable in Bethlehem and so forth. And the angel, the angel had spoken to the shepherds. And the shepherds said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see what has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Let's go to the next verses. And it says then that when they saw Jesus, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. He shall save his people from their sins. He can be called Emmanuel, that God is with us. God is now manifested in the flesh. And all those that heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept those things, the sayings, the things the shepherds said, of course, the prophetic word that she got originally from Gabriel, but she kept these things and she pondered them or she meditated upon them. She continued to rehearse them in her heart. So you want to hold on to the word of God. Sometimes we get a word, we see a scripture, we're happy, it's a great day, but then maybe the next day there's a challenge. All right, so the next day, though, you want to go back and hold on to the word that you've got, ponder it in your heart. The word of God is true, not a lie. See, we're not walking by our eyesight. We're not walking by how we feel. Some days I don't feel just wonderful, but we're walking by faith in what God said. So now Mary has delivered a baby, Jesus, and now she keeps these things. And notice the word of God, if you keep it, because the devil wants to steal from us all the time, right? So he wants to steal the word sown so that it doesn't bear fruit. But you want to keep it. You want to guard it in your heart. It's your life. You want to guard it. It's your word to you, prophetic words to us. You want to keep them in your heart. Now, if we do that, what happens? It keeps us. And I think, I think this is important. It keeps us stable. Even through the times we've been in, you can see people that are stable and people that are unstable. What causes us to be stable? What causes us to stay even in life? Well, it's that, it's that relationship with Jesus. Because the waves may go, everything's going up and down and so forth. And every day is a new report. But Jesus keeps us stable because he does not change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he does not change. Therefore, if he doesn't change, we don't have to change based on anything you hear or see. You can remain stable. Now, Mary's living with her husband, Joseph. They never had sex, incidentally, while she was pregnant. Not till after she was pregnant did they have sex. He didn't know her until the child was born. But now they're born, and so here's this couple. They go back to Nazareth, but they're living under Roman occupation. They're living under oppressed society. They're living with a lot of rules and regulations, and yet they're a couple that love God. And they're going to raise their child, not just this this child, but their other children. They're going to raise them for the ways of the Lord. So no matter what we face, we can do it. Sometimes we think, well, people have never faced it. This is just too hard. No, no, people have faced things all through history. People around the world face today very, very difficult things. So, so remind yourself. You know, sometimes you've got to slap yourself and say, you don't have it so bad. You know, read the Word of God and put yourself in their shoes. And you realize, wow, okay, I can do this. Now, let's fast forward a minute. Let's go, let's go to Luke chapter 2, a few verses. Now, in, in the meantime, in chapter 2, 12 years have passed. 12 years have passed where they went into Egypt, and of course they come back out of Egypt, they go, they go to Nazareth, 
And now it says that, that Jesus, he's 12 years old now, and they'd gone to, to Jerusalem to worship. They thought he was in the caravan of the families and so forth, that he was in another wagon or whatever. He's not. So now they go a day's journey. Where is he at? They don't know. So now they go back to Jerusalem looking for him, and they find Jesus in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them, hearing the questions. Now, let me just say this again. Jesus is now a man. He's a person. All right? He's a human. So things are being input into him. All right? It's not just an automatically download like, like osmosis, lay the Bible in the head, got it, got it all. No, no, no. He, he read. He read. He looked at things. He studied things. And now he's here asking questions and he's knowing the things from the law. Okay? See, sometimes we think, well, that was them. No, we all can live in this place in Jesus, live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, walk in anointings, and see God do great things through all of us. He's not a respecter of persons. So he's 12 years old, he's in the temple, and he's listening, one, and he's asking, two, nothing wrong with asking questions, right? Things, when I don't understand, I I have, you know, a spiritual, I don't know file. So there's some things in life, like I haven't got an answer to that and stuff. It's just like, it's in the I don't know file. I'll know when I get to heaven. But in the meantime, there's a lot of things we do know. Amen? And as we walk with the Lord, we begin to learn more and more. We get revelation. So he's listening. He's asking questions. They were astonished at his understanding. You know, they'd say something. He'd say, he'd say yeah, I read that. Yeah, I know that. Astonished at his answers. They'd ask him a question. He'd give an answer. And when his parents see him, they're amazed. His mother said, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. All right. There's another verse there. Yeah. And he says, he says, why did you seek me? Do you not know that it must be about my father's business? So revelation is coming to him. He hasn't sinned. Hasn't made a mistake. He's walking in the spirit. Has the Holy Spirit there. And he says, they did not understand the statements which he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, was subject to them. He gets back with the family, get back in their caravan to go back to Nazareth. And now notice what it says. And his mother kept all these things, kept all these things. They kept the things that their son is now telling them. They kept the things that they probably heard from the leaders, the Pharisees and so forth. Like, boy, your kid is really smart. <laughs> Boy, your kid really understands a lot of things. We've never had a 12-year-old stand in here and talk with us and, and communicate with us. Like, we've never had this. And so she keeps all these things. Notice again now, you have to keep it. Folks, I've had things the Lord's spoken to me and so forth. Then the devil steals it. And what i got to do? i got to go back, get it again, right? It's my, the word spoken to me, a, a rhema word or a prophetic word. I go back and get it again. It's like, I'm going to stand on the word of God. We're going to stand on truth. And so she kept these things. And notice where she kept, not just in her mind, like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, no, she kept them in her heart because this is a governor in her life for her son that she is raising, the son of God, to come for our sins. So she keeps these things in her heart. All right. Amen. All right. Let's go down uh, over or back a book to the book of Matthew. 
I'm constantly reminding myself. I have notes to myself, notes in my Bible, notes in my desk. I always tell Jeannie when she cleans, don't move that stack. I know exactly what's there, you know. I mean, it might look like a little disorderly, but it's like, no, I know. I know about one-third down, that's that piece of stuff, uh, what God said. So, so anyway, so now we come. Now, understand now, this Jesus is now 30-ish, all right? He enters the ministry at age 30. He has a brief ministry of about three years or so forth. So now this is 18 years later. Okay? It's 18 years after the temple incident. He was 12 in the temple. Now it's approximately 18 years or so later. And Jesus is talking to the mother, to the multitudes. And behold, his mother and brothers stood outside speak, to speak with him. Now, incidentally, Mary had other children. In some circles and so forth, they would say, no, she had just Jesus, that, that was it. No, she didn't. <laughs> if you read the Bible, she had other children. She had sons and daughters. And in this case, her, his mother and his brothers are outside waiting. And then uh, one said to him, hey, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. Go to the next verses there. And Jesus says, well, who's my mother and who are my brothers? Now, he's not slapping them in the face. He's teaching them a principle. In other words, in other words we, have, we have family here on this earth, all right? But for most of my life, my family didn't know Jesus, didn't live for the Lord or anything like that. Never encouraged me. Never encouraged me in their life before, before they died even. But Jesus is teaching a principle that we have a natural family and we have a spiritual family. Okay, the spiritual family is the body of Christ. The spiritual family is the church. And actually, that goes above even natural family because of that bond of the blood of Jesus. So there's natural blood family, but there's spiritual blood family. All right, so Jesus stretched out his hands and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Notice mother is singular. Because the body of Christ is the bride of Christ. There's one body. There's one bride. There's one woman. All right? That's the body of Christ. That's the church. So here's my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God, will of my father, which is in heaven, is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Now, incidentally, his natural mother was doing the will of God. Right? She was following him. She was with him. She was in his meetings, in his messages, heard all kinds of things. So she's doing the will of God. He's just pointing out a principle, though, that says, now I want you to see the church. He's come. You see, Jesus established the New Testament, right? That's the whole thing about we took communion a couple times online. We passed from the old to the new. We're in the New Testament. That's a wonderful thing, a revelation. So many people are back here in the old and doing things. And no, 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 we're in the new. That's good news. Good news. So, so he says, this is my mother and my brother. So he's giving a vision of the body of Christ. He's saying, my family is much bigger than your little circle. Oh, this, this here today, we have a little circle here, so to speak. But the body is bigger. There are believers all over the place, Right. Remember, I don't know if you heard it was online, one time I had an STSU basketball warm-up on. And then I showed an STSU football jersey. And football, that had, had a football, through past Aranda and so forth. And what would you do? Our team had a color, right? A certain color. We did this to identify who's on your team. Right? So we have to always identify who our adversary is. 
See, if you never, never, nobody says anything about the devil hardly anymore, teach us, so nobody knows who, they even have an adversary. But let me say this now. If you know your team, that you're on the side of Jesus, got the same color, so to speak, the same thing to understand that we have team members that are all over the place, that might, might uh, fellowship in another church, or might not be in any church, might be at home. But to understand that anybody that names the name of Jesus Christ as their Savior is part of the team. Therefore, therefore, you don't want to criticize your team. You don't want to put people down. You don't want to put down other believers. You don't want to put down anything like that. No, no you have to recognize they're part of the team. You don't want to, someone hurts another place. You want to understand, you want to help them. You know, you don't want to shoot your wounded, right? You want to help people. You want to care for people. There are many people on the team that may not gather in this place, but Jesus is saying the body is big. It's not your little circle. So obviously his mother and brothers are all part of that. But now he's pointing out a higher level, not just natural family, but now spiritual family. Amen. We have a spiritual family. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm glad about that. And we've we've been all over the world. And when we find people that name the name of Jesus, it's amazing. All of a sudden we're welcome into their home. We can we can have, eat with their, eat with them and have food with them or tea with them or whatever. We're just like family, even though we're from another place in the world, different language or skin color or culture. We're all part of the same. Now, let's go to the next uh, chapter over Matthew 13. So now here's a situation. Jesus comes to his own country and he's teaching in the synagogue. And it says, where did this man? So they're astonished. Now, of course, this is his home area. They saw Jesus grow up, right? So they saw him when he was 12. And they saw him when he was 13 and 18 and so forth. And maybe worked with his daddy and all these things like that. But now he's been baptized of John. Incidentally, when he's baptized of John, the Holy Spirit comes down and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He had done no miracles. He had done no mighty deeds. But he had a relationship. Now, the most important thing you have to have first is this relationship. It doesn't come down to all the other things you do. This relationship with your Father, with your Son, Jesus Christ, is the most critical. Amen? Saturate yourself in that relationship. So here we have now, so they're saying, where did he get this wisdom, and how can he do these mighty works? Isn't this, they look in the natural, isn't this a carpenter's son? And is, isn't his mother called Mary? And here's his brothers, brothers, James, Josie, Simon, Judas, and his sisters. Are they not all with us? So you should make a point of this, okay, to understand this. Jesus had brothers. Jesus had sisters. See it? See it in the Bible there? Write it down, the reference. Matthew, Matthew 13 there. And, and uh, Matthew 13, right? So 55, 56, it says, verse, verse uh, 57, So they were offended at Jesus. Because Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. They're offended. Okay. Okay. Interjection. Hallelujah. Back to, this is a word for some people here. When, G, when the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When Pastor Dave said that, Selah, pause, stop and think about it. Jesus had not performed any miracles yet. 
Jesus had not done, raised anyone from the dead. He hadn't opened any blind eyes yet, deaf ears yet. But the Father said, you are my beloved son. And I want to prophesy that here today for anyone who lives under this yoke or this condemnation of that I don't do enough. Works. Thank you. That's the simplest way to put it. Who lives under works, that you are free. The Father says, you are my beloved. Yeah. And just listen to Jesus. As Pastor Dave says those words, I am well pleased. You're covered. The blood of Jesus covers you. You're redeemed. You're sanctified. And we're part of the same Set family. Apart. Family. Sophie's not a respecter of persons. Right it's like there. you have, say, children in your family. And as a parent, yes. you love your children. Yes. Jesus loves you. Yes. He just loves you. He's our brother. He's just, it's, just, it's just commissioned. Yes. His love is commissioned. It's steadfast. It's everlasting. It doesn't change. Isn't that right? So Amen. everybody can take a deep breath and just... No, I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm accepted. That's right. I'm accepted. That's a good word. It's a good word. We have to remind ourselves that. Again, New Testament perspective. If you're living under the law, then then you feel like you're under judgment, condemnation. You're never good enough. So that's the law. That's the law. Shake that off. That's not New Testament. Truth is, you'll never be good enough. You'll never be good enough to, to get into heaven on your own. When I die someday, when I die, when I pass over and so forth, it'll be saying, thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Purely, that's it. The blood of Jesus. It doesn't come down to you, you preached or you won souls or you did all these things. No, thank you for your blood, Jesus, for by grace are we saved. Always that place. Always that place. Hallelujah. So here, Jesus is in his hometown, Nazareth, and people start criticizing. And you can imagine the talk, you know, the talk, like that talk that even reflected on Mary and Joseph and so forth. And it says the people were offended. Now, when you're offended, you're going to say things that are probably not really nice. You're going to say things that are critical. You're going to say things that are judgmental. You're going to say things that are hurtful. Who do you think you are? You know, or saying to Mary, who, do you th- who does your son think he is? You know, your people, you people aren't any different than anybody else. You know, so people are offended. Now, when people get offended, you have a choice. You're going to be offended too or not. Mary chose not to be offended. Amen. Turn, look at somebody and say, don't be touchy. You find, you find people all over in the body of Christ that are very, very touchy, very easily offended when they shouldn't be. Part of maturity is growing up and understanding not everybody's going to agree with you. Not everybody's going to be your friend. Not everybody's going to be nice to you. And it doesn't matter. And I'm talking about even Christians, okay? <laughs> Might not always be nice. But let's remember Luke chapter 6. In the Sermon of the Mount, who do you suppose was probably there? I would say Mary, because now this is many years later, okay? And so Mary's at a point in her life and so forth. Yes, she has other sons. Yes, she has other daughters and so forth. But now at this point, she's probably 47, 48, 49 years old. 
And she's following her son. And she's watching her son. She's seeing what her son is doing. She's listening to what her son is saying. So when offense comes, Jesus said, I say to you, I want you to love your enemies. So in Nazareth, he could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. People were against him. But he didn't hate them. There's still, they're still people he loves. So he says, I want you to love your enemies. I want you to do good. Now, these are, these are verbs here. Love is a verb. Doing good is a verb. Blessing those that curse you, that's a verb. Pray is a verb for those who despitefully use you. So Jesus, Mary hears these things. She now sees how they're treating her son and reflections back maybe on her other. Can you imagine how his brothers felt? Boy, I'm not as good as he is, you know. I'm, I mean, I swore last week, or I did this or that, you know. I mean, so you could have lots of comparisons, you know, or people saying to his brother, why aren't, why aren't you like your brother, Jesus? Why aren't you like your brother? You could have all kinds of things going on here. But choosing not to be offended, it's a choice, right? Jesus said offenses are going to come. So like it or not, I'll just tell you now, you know, uh, 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 news alert, you know, you're going to be offended. Again, sometimes, someplace, you'll be offended in this church probably. You'll be offended on your job. You'll be offended by somebody else. But understand this. When that comes, you have a choice to swallow that or not swallow it. It's up to us, right? It's up to us whether we want to take the offense or whether we want to get over the offense. Right? Many things have been said about me or to me or whatever that you just kind of got to shake off, shake it off and move on. Now, let's remember, let's go farther on down in Luke a second. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 35. But love's going to bring forgiveness and healing and restoration. So even, even if someone says something, how you re- respond then can bring forgiveness, healing, and restoration. Right? Your, your choices at that point can, can uh, touch them in a way to make it significant. Turn a moment into a memory. Turn it into something special, how you act. Now, these are things, again, Jesus said here, love, do good, lend, and so forth. Your reward should be great. You'll be the sons of the Most High. Now, this is a verse that I've said here before. I said it online a couple weeks ago, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. And most people go through that so quick they don't stop to think about the New Testament significance. I was on a Zoom call with ministers, and uh, they're talking about a variety of things and so forth. And I said, I want to point out this verse, write it down. He is kind. God is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Folks, now if that's the case, then you've got your bulletin, all the things, even looking at what coronavirus is, all, all the things that it says and so forth. It damages, it's, it's fear, it creates people weak and so forth. All the different things leads to death. Well, you can look at that and think, well, that's not of God because he's kind. In other words, he's not judging people, right? Amen. He's not here to kill people. He's here to give life. Amen. He's here to bless people. See, there's certain things, if you have the New Testament filter, which is Mom Mary did, then you can understand he's kind. God is kind to the unthankful and evil. So at the cross of Calvary, incidentally, his mama was there at the cross of Calvary. So she's watching her son again. And you can imagine the things in her heart. But God, you love these people. And yet they've just, you know, 
tortured and, and desecrated his body and did all these things and spit on him. I was reading that again. Spit on him. Not fun to be spit at, let alone spit on. Right? Not fun to have someone slap you on your face. Someone said, bunch of prophesy there if you're a prophet or if you're a savior or people, they're wagging, they're the religious people. And so his mother sees this. Think about this. She sees this, but she's holding in her heart what her son has said. God loves people, blesses people, you know, do good to people. He's kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Wow. I just, I just look at that and I just think that's, that's remarkable. It's remarkable of her character. Let's, let's fast forward from the cross, the resurrection. Let's go to the day of Pentecost. And in the day of Pentecost, now Mary's, Mary's got to be about 50 years old, say. And in the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 1, they go to the upper room. It's Peter, James, and John. And all the disciples are, yeah, they're, they're there, right. But it says, they all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, plural, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus' brothers. So now in the day of Pentecost, here they are. Here's Jesus' mother. Here's Jesus' brothers. They're all in the upper room with 120. Now, here, here's one thing I think, think about. Mary, Mary had seen a lot. She'd done a lot. But she wanted more. Say more. She'd seen a lot. Think of all the miracles she saw. Think of all the things she experienced. You know, think of feeding the 5,000 and 4,000. But we think of just the disciples. But there were a lot of workers there. There were a lot of workers. There was a lot of other women helping and different things like that and so forth. And organization. She'd seen a lot. She'd done a lot. But she thought, I want more. She had a hunger. She had a hunger for more. This is her son who's now been crucified, raised from the dead. She's at the crucifixion. Now she's raised from the dead. She follows him. Now she's, he's ascended into heaven. She sees all that, and she wants more. That's, that's the heart God wants for us. You see what his mother, Jesus, mother, Mary, all the things she did, that's the heart that he wants us to have. She wanted more. Guess what? She got it, Right? Day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost comes on them like a tongue of fire, and they all spoke with other tongues, and they all prophesied, and it got really loud and so forth. And her mother was just, his mother was just one of the group. And other women were just part of the group. Men and women of God exalting him, praising him, leaving that place filled with the Holy Ghost. Powerful, powerful, isn't it? See, that's what I think. I think Mary's, say, like, again, like 50-ish, you know. But, you know, as we all, some of us are getting older, all right? So, but no matter what your age, you want to desire more. You don't want to be content to say, you know, boy, that was a good, I remember when, you know, and lots of people are living in a history book. You know, I remember when that, I remember, and I've got a lot of memories, but folks, the fact is I want to go forward. Say Forward. If you've got a family member with you or something, say, look at them and say, let's go forward. Let's do more. Let's do more. Let's reach out more. Let's believe more. Let's pray more for the sick. Let's, let's do missions work. Let's, let's do the work of the Lord until Jesus comes back. Amen. Amen? That's what we want to do. I know a good friend of ours that, that uh, 
was influential in our life back when we were in college and so forth. And then we helped them in ministry and so forth after that. He was like our parents' age. And then, uh, and then him and his wife moved to North Dakota when they were older, back to like a hometown. And then she died first, and then he died. And the family called me to say that Brother Ray had died. And uh, his funeral was in a German Lutheran church. They sang in German. I had a German in high school. I was like, oh, I know a few words here, you know, but I can sing in tongues, you know. There was not many people there. It was out in the country, kind of, I had to hunt to find the place. And then a guy got up and he said, you could always count on Brother Ray that to his dying day, like the day before, going to the post office, he was handing out gospel tracts. He was witnessing to people. He was telling people about Jesus. And I just thought, finish strong, you know, that's what he did. No, no spotlight, no big thing like that, but he finished strong doing the work of the Lord. So quickly, uh, Luke 11, you know the scriptures, ask, seek, and knock. But it's a good thing to recognize that it says everyone, but that's all of us. So the thing is, not a respecter of persons. If he's done it for anybody, he can do it for everybody. Everyone who asks receives. He that seeks finds. Him that knocks, it'll be open. That's a wonderful thing. And then you get down to the end of the verse. In verse 13, he talks about the Holy Spirit. And he just says, if you know, being evil not to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? So today, let's lift our hands a second. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We recognize, Lord, that without you, we can do nothing. So, Lord, we know you've touched us many times in the past. But even today again, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, saturate us from our minds, our thoughts, our actions, our hearts. Holy Spirit, saturate our lives for your glory. We thank you for the examples we see in the Bible, even Jesus' own mother. We thank you for these examples that you give to us to inspire us that we can walk with you in the Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you today for empowering us supernaturally, empowering us, Lord, with your love and your grace, empowering us, Lord, to know your word and to live your word, empowering us to witness to others, to tell others how good you are, empowering us that we can pray for the sick. Every person hearing my voice can pray for the sick in the name of Jesus and see recoveries, see healings, see miracles. Father, I thank you for this, for pouring your spirit out on your church, just as you did in the start of the New Testament, today in the New Testament, Lord. Thank you for pouring out your spirit on us here <laughs> We say yes to you, Lord. We say yes to your spirit. Hallelujah. We say yes to you, Jesus. And we thank you for your spirit, Lord. Thank you for this power today, Lord God. Thank you for enabling us to walk in your victory, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord God. We receive what you've done for us. We receive it, Lord. We thank you for it, Jesus. We hold these things in our hearts. And we thank you, Lord, from even this place, in a small state of South Dakota, even from this place, your glory goes forth. So, Lord, I thank you for blessing people here today. 
Even as they go, they shall be used in their homes, on their jobs, and even with people that they meet, Father. Thank you for using them for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. So we bless you today. We're going to meet Wednesday night. So our protocol for the month of May is a Sunday morning at 10, a Wednesday night at 7. And uh, you can wear a mask if you want, or if you don't, that's your option. You can sit where you want. Amen. You can bless people, give someone an elbow or something like that in a good way. Hallelujah. Certainly smile at others. Amen. We just bless you in Jesus' name. If you need anything, uh, Angeline's at the office there too. You can see her there. But we bless you today. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.